You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Why do we have to make known the requests to God, if He already knows? Answer, because of what it does to us. It's not for Him, it's for us. It's what changes in us. Prayer changes the prayer. That's what, there's something that happens within us, in our minds, in our hearts, when we start vocalizing and asking God and making known to Him all of our requests. If the Lord is all-knowing, why then do we need to make our requests known to Him? As Pastor J.D. points out in today's message, the answer is because of what it does for you. Of course, the Lord knows what you'll say before you say it. But when you present your requests to the Lord through prayer, it changes you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 103 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Well, wait a minute. Why do I have to let him know? I mean, thing about prayers, why do I have to ask God or even pray because he already knows what I need? No, no, no. Make it known to him. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He's omniscient, all-knowing. So then why, pray tell, are we to make known to God all of our requests and our petitions? and our supplication. Supplication carries with it the idea of pleading with God and even begging, oh God, I I plead with you. Please, Lord, please, Lord. I cry out to you, Lord. Why do we have to make known the requests to God, if He already knows? Answer, because of what it does to us. It's not for Him. It's for us. It's what changes in us. Prayer changes the prayer. That's what, there's something that happens within us, in our minds, in our hearts, when we start vocalizing and asking God and making known to Him all of our requests. It changes us. It's, it's not to inform Him, as one said, it's to conform to Him. Not to inform Him when we pray, it's to conform to Him when we pray. There's something that takes place, a dynamic that happens when we pray and vocalize and ask and make known our requests to God. So here David is talking to himself, saying to himself, Oh my soul, bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, this is interesting, forget not all His benefits. You know what that means? We forget all the things that God has done. And here again, the Apostle Paul hits this nail right on the head. He says, with thanksgiving. In other words, remember all the times that God delivered you 
in the past. And take it a step further, thank Him for it. Here's what you're going to find. The word thank comes from the word thank. So the more you think, the more you remember, oh my goodness, I have so much to be thankful for. And when you start thanking God for everything and anything you can think of, little or big, big or small, Lord, it just changes you. It changes everything within you. And here's the thing, God inhabits the praises of His people. And there's something that happens within you. That's what blessing the Lord and praising the Lord does for us, in us, and to us. And some of the best worship songs are right from the Psalms. And so I'll tell you that when I read and even sing a verse like verse 2 about forgetting not all of His benefits, just remembering all the things that God has done in my life. I mean, I, you forget about those things, right? And it's so important. You know, it's even, I think, appropriate to have and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance those things for which you have to be thankful for. I tell you, it it'll change the whole complexion of how you're feeling. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. We become how we think. So if I'm thinking and thanking Him for everything and anything, that just changes my whole heart. And it affects my whole body. Sometimes I think the enemy, I don't want to give him too much credit, but sometimes I think the enemy brings on this drowsiness. You know, sometimes he does it during the teaching. I'm not saying <laughs> anything about that, but I mean, just this drowsiness comes on. You know, when you try to pray, that's when, it, that's when the enemy, because he'll do everything to keep you from praying, because he knows it's the deciding factor. That's why when you make this decision, this commitment, you set your foot to pray, and all of a sudden, I mean, out of nowhere, oh, kind of hits you, right? You're just like, oh, that's the enemy trying to get you to not pray, to not go to church, to not praise the Lord, to not bless the Lord. Because he knows the change that it will bring in your heart. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Now it seems that David is going to now list just some of the benefits that we tend to forget, chief of which, verse 3, is that He forgives all your iniquities. You don't have to look back too far to remember that and thank God for His forgiveness for all of your iniquities. Start there. David does. Who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord, verse 6, executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. 
He doesn't have a short fuse. This is, by the way, in Exodus, echoing what we know to be the character and nature of God. How do you see God? Do you see Him as merciful and gracious, very patient, very slow to anger? That's who God is, and that's how God is. Verse 9, He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens, verse 11, are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him, as far as the east is from the west. Notice He doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. Think of it this way, you've got the the globe, planet earth, right? Uh, If you separated something as far as the north is from the south, and you go north as far as you can, guess what? Certainly the twain shall meet if it's north to south. But if you take and you go from east to west, that's it. That's as far as the east is from the west. They will never be remembered again. So, verse 13, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, as far as the east is from the west. I want you to notice verse 13. This really ministered to me as a father with my children. David says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Now what does that mean? You know how as parents we we really feel for our children, we feel bad sometimes for our children. We feel sorry for our children. We have sympathy, empathy for our children. What David is saying is here, how much more our Heavenly Father in how He feels toward us. We just got done hearing this description of God being slow to anger and abounding in mercy, His loving kindness. And now this picture of God just with great compassion. As a parent would have compassion on their children, so too does the Lord have this compassion for those, for His children who fear Him. For, verse 14, He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Sometimes I think we need to remember that. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But, verse 17, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And, this is interesting, His righteousness to children's children. In other words, your children, my children, He is compassionate, merciful, and blesses in His righteousness our children and their children. Under the second and third generation, if you will, When God says that I will visit the iniquities under the second and third generation, it's not to punish 
and judge is to show them mercy and kindness under the second and third generation. And this is echoed here in this psalm. Verse 18, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels. Now, interesting, the psalm started off, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now he's saying to the angels, to the creation of God's heavenly host, you bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Ah, love that. So I think for what would be deemed obvious reasons, this is a favorite psalm of many a saint over the generations. And I think one of the reasons is, is that it's again a much needed reminder of the goodness of God in the midst of suffering. Life is hard, but God is good. I have to confess that this particular psalm is a little bit difficult to expound on because it really says it all. And as it turns out, I'm actually in pretty good company again with G. Campbell Morgan. Listen to what he said. It seems almost a work of supererogation, which is kind of the, uh, the meaning of an exercise in futility, to write anything about this psalm. It is perhaps, I love this, the most perfect song of pure praise to be found in the Bible. It has become the common inheritance of all who through suffering and deliverance have learned the goodness of the Lord. And by the way, how would we learn the goodness of the Lord were it not for the suffering that we experience? Through centuries it has been sung by glad hearts, and today is as fresh and full of beauty as ever. It is praise intensive and extensive. One last thought before we move on to Psalm 104. I would encourage you, especially if you're going through a difficult situation, you're experiencing a trial, pray through, uh, read through, meditate on Psalm 103. I promise you on the authority of God's Word, you will experience the change in your heart as you bless the Lord. Psalm 104. Here it is again, verse 1. Again, we're, we're not told if it was a psalm of David. We can maybe uh, speculate that it certainly could have been. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens 
like a curtain. He lays the beams of, verse 3, his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire, you who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. Verse 7 and 8 are interesting. I'll explain why in a moment. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them. You, verse 9, have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. Now, there is some debate, uh, particularly uh, amongst the skeptics of the creation account that we have in Genesis, who would suggest, wrongly, but they suggest that Psalm 104 is about the creation. It is not about the creation. Psalm 104 is about the flood. And this, in particularly verse 8, we're told where the waters went up over the mountains, they went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them, talking about the receding of the waters after the flood. Verse 10, He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord, verse 16, are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds make their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats, the cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. Notice the order, the, the perfect order of things. Oh, verse 24, Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan, which some suggest is speaking of the whale 
which you have made to play there. These all wait for you, verse 27, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. Verse 29, you hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation, I love this verse 34, may my meditation be sweet to Him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners, kind of takes a turn for the worse real quick here, right? I mean, we were doing pretty good, verse 34, right? You know, may my meditation be sweet to Him, and may sinners be consumed from the earth. Wow. Okay. Tell us how you really feel. I kind of still want to stay in verse 34. I was liking that. So may my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. And here it is again. What a way to end. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Ah. What a great psalm. Psalm 104, like the psalm before it, is another perfect expression, or as G. Campbell Morgan said, this pure praise to God for His greatness and His goodness. All I think of all creation, when Jesus was rebuked, tell them to be quiet as they're praising Him at the triumphal entry. Hosanna, Hosanna. <laughs> Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hey, tell Him to quiet down. And Jesus is like, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, this is a very loose paraphrase. Listen, you guys, if I tell them to not do that, the whole creation, the rocks are going to cry out and they're going to sing out, and they're going to bless me and sing praise to me. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Okay, I feel better now. So let's, uh, <laughs> Psalm 103 is a psalm of praise for the mercy of God, and Psalm 104 is praise for the majesty of God. What a beautiful end to a Bible study. Bookends, right? The mercy of God and the majesty of God. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. 
You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.